Blog Talk Radio. Oh, Nat Town. Nat Knightley's back. We're sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddickson from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse and Federal Baseball on the line. At the Nationals play one and a half games, win the first, five to three, lose the second, four to two to a dominant Clayton Kershaw. Doghouse, let's start with, we're not going to get into the details of last night, I guess, because it's so over with at this point, but... I know you were at the game last night. It had three lights outing, uh, three outings of the bank of lights and sort of left field down the third base line that went out over and over again. Not as frustrating as dealing with a weather-related incident. It was actually the first uh, suspended game that was a non-weather-related incident in National Park history. So tough to blame anyone for the lights going out. They weren't able to figure it out, kept on turning them on. They'd go back off. After the third time they went off, they decided to scrap it, suspended the game until today, and the Nationals ended up winning. We'll get into some of the details soon, but just the experience overall at the game, I know it was frustrating for me because I drove down from New Jersey at 4.30 in the morning, but long night ever for everyone at the park with the lights going on and off all night. Oh, the, the heck we can't blame someone about it. We can blame Taylor Swift, darn it. Although I'm, I'm not going to make a bunch of cheap song references here, much much as I'm tempted to. Um, I, I, you got up early to drive down here and catch the game. Uh, Mrs. Zoghouse and I splurged for, for fancy tickets in the nice part of the 200 section where they have the good nachos. And uh, it, it was, I mean, we got the good nachos, so I can't complain about that. But I was hoping to enjoy uh, three hours of baseball versus three hours of sitting around and like an hour and five minutes of baseball, which is what we actually got. Uh, it was, I guess it was more comfortable than a rain delay because we, it, we weren't wet and cold, but it was, uh, it was a little more frustrating, uh, especially since we couldn't see the lights that were out from where we were sitting because we were on the third base side. So we kept squinting up at the lights on the first base side thinking, they look okay. Don't they look okay? Is that what they always look like? I can't tell. What's wrong? So, yeah, we were basically sitting there like knuckleheads the whole time. Thanks for bringing us sandwiches, by the way. Those those were delicious. <laughs> From Pepe Food Truck Sandwiches. I wasn't going to eat them because there were no vegetarian options, so I figured we'd get a good review from somebody and tweet it out a nice thank you to them for sharing food with the press box last night. So that worked out for everyone at least. The game was suspended last night. They came back today. Uh, Nationals ahead 3-2 to two when they resumed play in the sixth inning after, you know, Escobar hit a two-run home run that put the Nationals ahead. 3-2 uh, to two after five, they came back. Adrian Gonzalez, second home run of the game, about 24 hours later, ties it up at three after five and a half. Tano Roark, the pitchers were just in and out of the a completion of that game today in a ridiculous fashion as they were trying to make, make do and get through the game to get to the second one. But Adrian Gonzalez ties it up at three. Uh, Stay that way until the eighth inning. Matt Van Decker comes off the bench with a two-run home run to win it. For, well, put the Nationals ahead and eventually win it. A great at-bat by Decker, Van Decker there. Well, wasn't much of an at-bat, really. Great swing, I should say. Got a first-pitch fastball, absolutely crushed it, put it up into the second deck and Really nice to see Den Decker come up there, get a big at bat, and come through. He was really happy after the game. They actually brought him out in front of the press to talk to reporters, and looks like he was happy. He said he was happy to be able to contribute to the Nationals and you know, come off the bench and essentially win a game for them. Yeah, so so especially pleasing since I, I think his Twitter handle was actually at Upper Decker, <laughs> and he, yes, he cranked that one into the upper deck, you know, up up there over the about the middle of the home bullpen into the first row. 
and there were some kids standing there who actually caught it, if I uh, if I, if I saw that correctly. Uh, that was a mighty cloud, uh, not not a high moonshot. That was a, a hard line shot up there, and you know, a, a guy who's certainly hasn't hasn't seen a lot of success in the big leagues and has only had limited playing time with the Nats, you know, sort of a, a fifth outfielder, really a bench guy, defensive replacement. Uh, really a great story for him to come and, and get the go-ahead run there. That was, uh, that, that, was, that was heartwarming, you know, and it's just too bad we didn't have more baseball after that, and that was, that was the end of the day, and there were no more games to talk about afterwards. <laughs> Nothing else happened. That's like the great uh, Simpsons joke. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> this is to China, where they have an episode where they show Tiananmen Square with a statue that says nothing happened here on that date. But anyway, right. Clayton, Clayton Kershaw happened to the Nationals tonight. We'll get to that in a second. One more note from that first game. We saw Don Mattingly and the Dodgers take a different, unique approach to not letting Bryce Harper beat them. They intentionally walked him twice with a man on second, first base open, just decided not to pitch to Harper. Is he taking the don't let Harper beat you thing a little too seriously, <laughs> putting Harper on and just not even bothering pitching to him uh, twice yesterday's game, well, yesterday and today's game? Well, I, I don't know if he's practicing for the playoffs or something, but he was in full-on postseason mode here today, what with, <laughs> with pulling pitchers in and out and – you know, I'll, I'll talk about my my opinion of his Bush League, Bush League albeit correct, uh, manager challenge for, from the second game, which, which didn't happen, and we don't have to talk about. But it was uh, I, I I I found a bit curious the intensity with which parts of the game were played. Yeah, interesting. I, I will note that Matt Williams was asked about it uh, before uh, between games asked about walking twice intentionally. He said, basically, who wouldn't do that at this point if he had the opportunity? So Matt Williams didn't have any problem with the decision-making on Don Mattingly's part, even though a lot of the fans weren't enjoying taking the bat out of Harper's hands. As we saw late in today's game, it's probably probably a good idea to do that whenever you have a chance. So uh, going, skipping to the second game, let me just flip over here on my phone. I have to kill a bunch of Twitter tweets to get to it. But... Clayton Kershaw on the mound, six and six on the year before today, with a 2.85 ERA, 2.39 FIP, 11.71 Ks for nine so far this season, 2.16, 2.67, 3.36 line against, and 123 innings pitched in the first half, which is a lot of innings. Seven and two, 2.59 ERA, 10.09 K for nine, 2.04, 2.55, 3.43 line against, and 66 innings pitched in his career versus the Nats, unbeaten in his last five starts against the Nationals. Dominant again today, 10 Ks and 5 scoreless on 63 pitches, 12 Ks and 6 scoreless, 77, 18 scoreless pitch innings overall, going back three starts at that point, ends up with 20 scoreless innings overall when he's done 14 Ks on 89 pitches and 7 scoreless, 27 Ks in his last 16 innings pitch, ends up going 8 scoreless. Uh, just a really dominant performance by him. He's got that herky-jerky delivery. He's got a ridiculously good curveball. When I saw an interview with him from his last start, he was dropping Sandy Koufax told me comments into his thing like it's nothing and not an amazing thing to have that guy for a, me- a mentor. But just a really dominant outing by Clayton Kershaw and really didn't give the Nationals anything. No, I, I mean, you, you mentioned the he, – he's just – he has so much as a pitcher. You talk about that sort of weird wind-up that – sort of interferes with the batter's timing, kind of like that, that weird turn move that Cueto does. 
But then on top of that, he's he's throwing 96 on the high end on his fastball. He's throwing 72 on the low end with his curveball. So you got to deal with that speed separation, that weird wind up on uh, on your timing. Plus, he's a lefty. For goodness sakes! I mean, you talk about an, an overdetermined good pitcher. He's he's certainly it, and it, and it's just too bad that you know he's he's not on the team that I was rooting for because he certainly pitched very well. Because all those pitches he had, he was throwing them for strikes, so pitchers had to respect him. It wasn't enough to identify the rotation because it it, it might catch the zone. And you know, you, you saw Harper strike out on a check swing on a pitch that bounced about a foot and a half in front of the plate. Um, given the improvements he's made in his strike zone discipline this season, you know it, it, that wasn't because he's become a free swinger. It's because you got a guy with deception and incredible command and velocity and fantastic off-speed stuff. I, I, you know, it, it's it's a wonder that Scherzer is doing any better than uh, or comparably to, to Kershaw this season, given given the stuff that we saw tonight. Now, granted, he's not going to be as on as he was tonight every night, and he's down to about the C or D lineup in terms of what he has to pitch against uh, for the Nats this afternoon. But, wow, good pitcher. Yeah, I have a feeling he would have shut down any of the lineup the Nationals put out there, though I agree they might have had a better chance with their full lineup there, which they haven't had in quite a while. But some good news on that front. We'll get to that in a moment. But just two quotes here. Bryce Harper on facing Kershaw via James Wagner of the Washington Post. You better get lucky. Sometimes you've just got to tip your cap. We should ring a bell whenever we hear that one and laugh because it was pretty impressive. Matt Williams said, unfortunately, I've seen that way too much. He's a pretty good pitcher, understatement of the night there. He establishes strikes and then goes down out of his own. I don't know how many curveballs he threw today, probably 15 of them. He may have thrown one for a ball, so that's why he's good. He ends up going eight innings. Three hits allowed, no walks, 14 Ks, seven ground outs, no five ball outs on the whole night. Just dominant performance. Doug Fister on the mound for the Nationals, three and four, 408 ERA, 448 FIP, 281, 328, 447 line against, 64 innings pitch in the first half, one and two since he returned with a 370 ERA, 289, 324, 433 line against, 24 in the third inning pitch. On a 12 day layoff going into this, though, with the all star break in his last start. Back-to-back singles to start the second by Adrian Gonzalez. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back, uh, back back back, I should say. <laughs> Three of them. Singles to start the second. Adrian Gonzalez, Ethier, and Puig. one nothing at that point. Dodgers hit the line moving again in the fifth. Hit by pitch. Three singles. Sack fly. Three runs score in that inning. Four nothing at that point. Pistons done after five innings pitch. Nine hits. Four and run. 91 pitches in five innings. Really is not a outing there by Doug Fister. It looked like he was up in the zone from what I could see. Of course, I'm watching from 300 feet above, but just the way they were tearing into his pitches, lining them left and right, looked like he wasn't having the best day out there on the mound today. No, it was it was hard contact, and the outs he were getting, the outs he was he was getting were were fly ball outs deep uh, a lot of the time. Uh, okay, there were a couple of balls on the ground, uh, and unfortunately, more of them got through than one would probably like, but. Yeah, I, I don't know what's happening with Fister. This is certainly the season season of regression. Uh, I, I was almost as high up as you were, so I, I, I couldn't tell exactly where he was missing, but I'm assuming he's leaving stuff up, given by how the pitches were getting tattooed out there. Uh, his velocity, he touched 88 today, so he's almost back to full strength. But 
living living up in the zone and trying to to make make it going as a as a fly ball pitcher is is no way to go if you're you're throwing below ninety. Uh, and we, we've certainly touched on this before. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna miss miss down, and he was he was missing up or in the zone today. And be, before the big explosion in the fifth inning, which actually wasn't as bad as it could have been, I was sitting there, I guess, jinxily marveling to myself that it wasn't as bad already as as, uh, as it could have been, given the amount of base runners he put on. But, you know, that's, it's, it's a tightrope with Fister now, uh, with pitches left up like that. And, you know, he didn't make it all the way across again. Yeah, Matt, well, Taylor Gordon, huh? He was pretty good, three scoreless from Taylor Jordan, but he already got sent back down. He was the 26th man with the sort of doubleheader today. So a nice performance by Jordan, maybe get them some uh, goodwill coming up next time they need a pitcher coming up. So a nice performance by him, I'll agree. Matt Williams also mentioned the velocity like you did, said I think his velocity was better, much better today, 87 to 88. Wasn't really finding his arm slot as much as he wanted to. A couple of ground balls got through. The playing left kicked off the runner. I'm not sure what he's referring to there, but anyway. So five feet here or there could be a different story for him, but he was throwing good and felt good about it at least. But not good results necessarily. Uh, towards the end of the mm-hmm. game there, we saw Danny Espinosa just to really kick the Nationals in the pants at this point with everything they're dealing with, made an attempt at a diving play, came up real short and couldn't get up afterwards. Matt Williams said they had cramps in both of his calves. Just the idea of any sort of injury to Danny Espinosa that's more severe than maybe just dehydration leading to cramping is really scary for the Nationals at this point, considering all they're going through. Yeah, I know. I I, I was kind of surprised because that's, watching the play develop, I thought that was a ball that he gets to and I was, Trying to figure out why he dove when he did, it, it seemed to me like he, like he tripped or something, or he caught his foot. And I was worried that he turned his ankle. I guess maybe if his, his legs cramped up, maybe that's what happened to him. But you know, uh, Espinosa at 100%, he makes that play, or or at least yeah. very much closer to it than he did. Uh, I, I'm with you. I hope that we're just seeing a little dehydration in there. You know, he gets some fluid and he feels better tomorrow, uh, because. For for all that he did get his first hit of the net, you know I'm I'm beginning to think do we really want to be in the place where we have to start Manny Burris? There's a lot of fans out there who are pining for Burris to get in there. I've seen enough of him to not be too excited about the prospect of him playing any significant innings with the Nationals. Let's end this one on a good note, though. Matt Williams told reporters this morning that Anthony Rendon was going out on a rehab assignment today. When we discussed this this morning, I said I wasn't worried about him as far as timing, where I might be with Jason Worth and Ryan Zimmerman coming back. And so far tonight in his first rehab appearance, Anthony Rendon, two for two for the Potomac Nationals, just making me seem so, so smart. Uh, Good to hear him back on the field, though, on the DL since. July 26th, he's also playing in the lineup with Jason Worth. Uh, I think the two of them are batting second and third. Rendon's out of the game now, so he finishes two for two. For two. Worth one for two with an RBI so far. So good sign that both of them are getting ABs and working their way back. Uh, rehab assignment on their way back to the majors at some point in the near future, hopefully, barring any setbacks or hiccups and knocking on wood on my part. Yeah, let's uh... – it, it may turn out that the big moves that the, the Nats end up making are getting back injured players. You know, if, if the deadline, if, if we get some some fraction of, of Worth and Zim and Rendon back in the lineup playing regularly and with the timing 
you know, that that's that's as huge as trading as trading for somebody. Probably probably huger if that's even a word. I believe it is. I'll just, I'll just go with you on that one. Uh, we didn't talk yesterday, but one more note before we get out of here and I head back there. Uh, David Carpenter traded for, I should say, I was going to say a sign, but traded for recently. He went right into the eighth inning, started working there, ended up on the DL yesterday with shoulder inflammation, right shoulder inflammation. Good sign. He was out throwing on the field today. Matt Williams said that uh, they backdated it, so he shouldn't be able to have to miss uh, too much time if it kind of calms down on him and isn't barking, allows him to get back out there. But uh, I, I mentioned yesterday, I think the fact that he ended up in the eighth inning as a, basically just set-up man immediately after they acquired him, probably not a good sign of what the Nationals think of the rest of the relief options they have back there in the bullpen. Casey Jansen with another nice appearance today, but if there's any problem that's going to keep David Carpenter out long-term, do you think that guarantees the Nationals have to go out there and find a reliever somewhere before the non-waiver trade deadline? Uh, well, I, I think there's certainly a case to make that even with Carpenter healthy, that the Nats are probably looking for somebody. Uh, I, I think if he's going to spending, he's spending any time on the DL, that they're going to look a little harder. Um, you know, because certainly Jansen is the eighth-inning guy He's he's a tightrope walker too as a as a crafty soft tosser, even though that that seems to be the key to getting Adrian Gonzalez out. <laughs> he managed to do that, which is nice to see. What Nationals dropped the second one, four to two. I guess we should mention that Bryce Harper hit a massive home run, so that should teach you. You should probably intentionally walk him regardless of the situation when he steps up the bat. <laughs> Number 20, 27 by Harper makes it four to two at that point. We'll see if Zach Greinke. Uh, goes along with the plan to walk him tomorrow or that cranky obstinately attacks him throughout the game and see what he does. But great pitching matchup tomorrow at 135. Zach Greinke who's going to be a national next year against Max Scherzer in the series finale. <laughs> Nationals 49 and 40 on the year. Dodgers 52 and 40 after the win today. Matt Knightley sponsored by the district sports page and federalbaseball.com. It's good to get back on the air. Doghouse, good to talk to you and we'll talk to you after tomorrow's game, hopefully. Don't ask.